0: Hi, I'm Sherry Davis, Canada's dogmaster and the trainer of Rex on the hit TV series Hudson and Rex. This is How to Dog. Each episode, someone like you calls in with a canine question. This week, we're taking a walk on the wild side. Hi, Uncle Jim again. I have a question for anyone who walks their dog in a rural setting, like, say, the Bruce Peninsula or anywhere where there are possibly bears. Do you let your dog off the leash while walking in those areas? Thanks for the call, Jim it raises a really important issue that maybe many of us haven't really thought much of. It's no surprise that you might encounter wildlife when walking your dog out in the country, like where I live. But as cities grow and expand, more and more animals, wild animals, are having encounters with people in places that you might not expect it. Don't be surprised if you come across a coyote or a raccoon or a skunk when you're out for a walk in a ravine in downtown Toronto or even in a park in the city. You know that old joke how if you run into a bear in the woods, you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun your hiking partner. (laughs) Well, that doesn't really apply when you have a dog with you. Many dogs, even the tiniest ones, will eagerly chase after the noise in a forest. It might be a squirrel, or, as we're about to hear, it might be something a lot more dangerous. And sometimes, even when they're not chasing anything, the wildlife might just come to them. So how can you protect yourself when you live somewhere where there are wild animals? And what's it actually like to end up face-to-face with a dangerous creature when you're out walking your dog? That's what we're here to find out today. This is How to Dog.
1: Hi, everyone. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not meant to be professional advice. Always consult with an expert when taking care of your own doggo. Over to you, Sherry. When you live in the
0: Yukon, encountering wild animals is something most people get used to and most dangerous animals will take a wide berth around us but not always Heidi Warren and her dogs found this out the hard way when they were out for a walk near her home in Beaver Creek the Yukon which is right up against Canada's border with Alaska so um it, it came to our attention that you had probably one of the most terrifying experiences with wildlife that you know, I've heard, and I'd love you to fill in our listeners.
1: Sure. Um, I was, we had actually organized a training session that we do on on Saturdays with some friends and dogs. And we were, my friend and I, I said, hey, let's walk this, this way home on the trail so we can let the dogs off leash and play a bit. And we were walking along, chatting actually chatting about my dog that had passed away last year uh, in the wild. And um, out of nowhere, the lynx came and grabbed my dog, Jackson, by his face, and they started to roll in the snow. There was not a moment of hesitation. I ran toward the lynx, yelling with my arms out, like just because I reflecting, I know that that I was trying to maybe scare it off to let go of him before I got there. And I got there and just jumped on both Jackson and the Lynx. And the lady who was with me, she jumped on, I could feel her jump on the back. And I had to grab the lynx mouth. It was still on my dog, even with two of us lying on it, and pry it open. I remember thinking, I've got to get it off. I've just got to get it off so that it didn't cause more damage. I didn't know what was going on. So I pulled off the lynx and then that after that is a slightly blurry i do remember looking at the lynx eye to eye for a minute before it got chased by my friend's dog up a tree Uh, so the lynx went up the tree we leashed both of our dogs and i headed to the nursing station and hillary and got another friend of ours and to look after jackson and things to note maybe that i've missed are that jackson was no more than six feet from me like he was very close to me when this happened. And it was, it's so unusual for that to happen. I, and up until this point, I have never been had a feeling of cause for concern when I see a lynx on a trail that I'm on. And uh, I, my thumb started to hurt. And so I said to Hillary, I think I might've got cut or bit so i pulled my glove off and blood was pouring out of my thumb so that's why i went to the nursing station cuz i did have a pretty significant cut on my thumb and then my friends looked after jackson because of vet is as far as groceries are it's a 5 hour drive in the winter on a deserted highway so it's really important to really get a good assessment of what the injuries are to decide do i go to whitehorse or not and it's not an easy trip to make.
0: That's unbelievable. I, terrifying, heroic, harrowing. I don't I like speechless. It's really unbelievable because, you know, most people would have panicked, would have maybe ran in and tried kicking or, you know, something like that. But you guys dove on top of a wild lynx and pried its <laughs> mouth off of your dog. Like the absolutely crazy but I guess adrenaline took over and it was just it was you know the the will to survive basically
1: yeah like I've had obviously a lot of time to reflect and I've spoke to a lot of people about what happened and it was I think it was the combination of losing a dog already out here um much further from town in a very different scenario but he, uh, you know, I loved him, obviously, he was, yeah, you know, I always called him my soulmate, as all my dogs are, really. And he was forefront in my mind, it, the next day was one year ago that I had lost him. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so I always, you know, I think we, when Taylor and I talked about it after a little bit of was like, I think Vinny might have been part of that, like helping me to, to do what I did. And the other thing is, um, so it was that of the he was forefront because I do remember thinking, you are not taking this one. I like, no more. <laughs> I'm not losing another dog <laughs> this way. And I, I am not, I am surprised and not surprised that I reacted so quickly. I've lived in the North for a long time. I am always very aware of my surroundings for the most part. We, you know, Hillary and I were truly just walking on a trail that is 50 yards from the school wow it wasn't one that you need to be or that we're normally super it's a well-used trail I've compared it to like a, a park in a city when you're walking through it's not a it wasn't way like my other dog we were way out of town four or five kilometers on a trail that nobody goes on and it, right. it is wildlife territory much more so even out there i mean beaver creek is wildlife territory we are a blip (laughs) in the forest so so it was just so, so like surprising kids we take our kids out there for school regularly to just go and play recess is probably 25 yards from where it happened um i normally have bear spray and a knife with me when i'm out walking like on an actual dog walk yeah And I did not have either of those things. But to be honest, I don't think it would have made a difference because I had to, I had to get it off of my dog. And if I'd bear sprayed it, the dog would have then had bear spray in his face also, which is problematic being five hours away from a vet. And I don't know what I would have done with a knife, really. that's more to like cut a leash or something if so, if there's some sort of problem but um yeah
0: it's it, it it's kind of like your confidence i got my knife yeah. i don't know how i would use it but i got a knife <laughs> exactly <laughs> i know that feeling <laughs> yeah um and you know i i've got to ask what kind of dog was jackson
1: jackson is a uh typical yukon dog he's an alaskan husky mixed with whatever was roaming by. I got him from a, a beautiful rescue, this young woman who runs it out of Whitehorse, Yukon, small animal rescue and advocacy. And she has a really good philosophy. She's quite young and passionate about it all. But I just adopted him. I'd finally adopt, decided to get a second dog. And he's growing quite fast. He was 44 pounds when this happened. He's probably more now. He's four months old. So whatever he's crossed with is probably kind of big <laughs> but um yeah
0: so uh, theoretically the lynx was the same size as he was
1: yeah and maybe even a little bit lighter i'm not sure wow. i have, we haven't got the report from the conservation officer yet but yeah so
0: he was only 4 months old when that happened mhm oh my gosh and how is he now like did he recoup from it does did he you know, is he more cautious with other animals now, or, or you know, did it make a difference in the in, in Jackson?
1: Thankfully, no. So I did do a few things afterwards to try to prevent that from happening as much as I could. And his, so he seems totally fine. Uh, wow. He's Got a number of you know bite marks on his face that, and it was an, on antibiotics. But so that's physically, he had a few scars from it. I call him Jackson Scarface Warren. <laughs> but, uh, but other than that, behaviorally, I see no difference in him. Thank goodness. Wow, you're very lucky. Heroic,
0: life-saving, I, I, terrifying. I don't even know what to say about <laughs> your experience. But you know what? You got one lucky dog. Jackson is very, very, very lucky to have you as an owner. It has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Heidi, for joining us on How To Dog.
1: Thank you so much, Sherry.
0: Heidi lives in Beaver Creek, Yukon. She was out walking with her dog, Jackson, when it was attacked by a lynx. Fortunately, she and her friend were able to fight it off, and Jackson escaped with minor injuries. How scary is that? I personally know this experience firsthand, but not with a lynx. I actually was out filming a show, and when we went into the bush, we were face to face with a black bear. It was the scariest moment of my life. I'm very lucky that my dogs have a good recall. I was able to call the dogs back, and we were able to stay nice and still and allow the bear to pass us. We've got to remember that we're encroaching on their property, and we've got to show them a little bit of respect. This brings me to my next guest. Vanessa Isnardi is a provincial coordinator for Wild Safe BC. This is a program that aims to reduce human wildlife conflict through education. And she knows a lot about how dogs and various wild animals interact. She spends a lot of her time helping wildlife stay wild and dogs stay safe. Vanessa, welcome to How to Dog. Thanks for having me, Sherry. So, could you tell us, um, and of course, all of our listeners, what it is that you actually do?
2: For sure. So, I am the provincial coordinator for WildSafe BC. Wild Safe BC is a program delivered in British Columbia uh, by the BC Conservation Foundation, a non for profit, and our focus is on reducing conflict uh, with wildlife.
0: So that's all kinds
2: of wildlife absolutely so in british columbia me some of your listeners uh, visit our province every once in a while or travel across canada Um, there's a lot of wildlife out west and some large predators we have some of the highest concentrations of bears black bears grizzly bears cougars wolves and coyotes uh, in, in north america so we talk about this topic quite extensively in bc
0: well this is fantastic you know I think there's a little bit of a fallacy when it comes to a barking dog will ward off bears.
2: Well, that is an interesting um, myth, a bit in some ways. And there's some truth and there's some myth. Uh, and it's complex. There are a lot of different kinds of dogs, and the relationship of dogs and wildlife varies by breed, by personality. But in general, uh, for wildlife, when they hear a, a dog or uh, another canine, Basically, you know, sometimes these are animals that are in conflict themselves. So, you know, uh, black bears may perceive a dog as a potential threat to its offspring. And so they may react defensively when uh, a bear encounters a dog. there, I'm Sherry Davis, Canada's dog master
0: and canine coordinator on the television series Hudson and Rex. You're listening to How to Dog. It's a podcast where you can call in and ask your canine questions and I will get you the answer. You can subscribe to How to Dog wherever you get your podcasts. Right now, I'm talking to Vanessa Isnardi, Provincial Coordinator for Wild Safe BC, which educates people on how to avoid wildlife encounters. If you're out on the national trails or in in one of our parks, is it a leash free? Like, is it like a free for all for dogs or are they supposed to be leashed?
2: The rules will be different in every parts of the country, depending on the jurisdiction and what's involved. But my understanding is in most national parks, the dogs are required to be on a leash. And in some parks, they're not allowed at all because of the high incidence of conflicts with wildlife. Uh, In fact, there was a study that was put together by Stephen Herrero, uh, who was a very famous bear biologist who basically focused on human wildlife conflicts. And what he found through a review of the literature was that in over 50% of the attacks on people by black bears in North America, a dog was involved.
0: Wow. Wow, that's shocking. So not necessarily uh, the dog is a good thing. In in theory, I mean, everybody loves to take their animals and go for a hike and, and not realize the dangers that it
2: could pose. It's a hard thing to measure because most of our encounters with wildlife and what we recommend when people are enjoying, we want people to enjoy nature. We want them to be able to take their dogs with them. We don't discourage that, but we would like to see them do it responsibly and just know that the best encounter with a large predator like a bear or a wolf is the encounter you avoid. So we want to make sure that bears are aware of people's presence and you make lots of noise with your voice. And uh, your dog can be an early warning system to kind of give you a sense that maybe there's uh, an animal in the area and maybe it's hackles get up or maybe it starts making some noise. And you're looking around, you're looking for signs. Is there fresh bear scat? What's going on? Um, And you want to kind of leave that situation. You want to you don't want to run. But you want to back out of there, have your dog under control, bring them back with you and give that wild animal some space. And for bears, 80% of their diet is actually plant-based. They're really not motivated uh, motivator that interested in preying on humans. What they're most interested in probably are the berries that are on the trail that you happen to be on as well at the same time. So most bears tend to want to avoid conflicts with people and tend to avoid us in general. But a dog can sometimes escalate the situation, and if they charge after a bear, and especially if it's a sow bear with cubs, that might instigate an attack, a defensive attack. The bear just wants space. Sometimes you'll hear anecdotal stories where the bear runs off, and that can happen as well, but I wouldn't rely on that to happen all the time. We do know of many stories where that has not happened and dogs have been injured or killed, Uh, and sometimes... The dogs chase after the bear, and then the bear turns around and runs back on the person, and the person is injured. So in general, we just want to make sure that uh, when people are out exploring on trails, that uh, their dogs, they know they have excellent recall. They know the dog won't chase after the animal. And if they're not sure, they should keep it under control, because you just have to assume you are going to encounter wildlife. Right. The leading cause of conflict between people and wildlife is attractants and food. The, the thing that leads to injuries and death to bears, because often they be, if they become food conditioned, you've heard the term a fed bear is a dead bear. What that comes from is bears being taught to associate people and the areas that they use with sources of food. And it may seem innocent at the time, maybe nothing happens to you, but you're teaching a bear to find food from us and it will keep coming back. And they'll remember they have amazing memories. And it's not just intentional feeding. It could be uh, unsecured attractions. So your garbage that has organic food rewards in it. It can also be a fruit tree. If you have a fruit tree that a bear goes back to year after year to find food, and it's close to where you live, you're teaching a bear to come find and forage near you. And that sets you up for a dangerous situation. If you go out at night, you let your dog out, the bear could be feeding on that tree at night, and that could be very dangerous for you and your pet. So we definitely, our number one recommendation is to always make sure that anything that can provide a food reward to wildlife is managed well, secured, pick your fruit. Uh, we actually use electric fencing and promote electric fencing in British Columbia as a way to help people who have trees that they want to uh, allow the fruit to ripen and then pick it. So we encourage them to use electric fencing as a temporary way of securing that, keeping all your garbage stored indoors. I actually have heard that there's more
0: um, encounters and likelihood of deer hurting our
2: our dogs than bears. So that is a growing phenomenon. I don't know what it's like in Ontario, but urban deer is a bit of a growing issue in in our um, communities in British Columbia. And there have been a number of situations where um, does the female deer with her fawn in the spring will protect her fawn. And if a dog off leash or on leash approaches too close, the doe will react and can potentially injure or even kill that, that dog. And very often people get involved in the mix and they become injured as well. So we do uh, discourage, we try to get ahead of this as much as we can. They'll eat just about anything, uh, your cedars, uh, anything that's green. So once you've got urban deer in a community, they're really hard to, to get them to move on
0: wow you know and you don't think of that yeah everybody thinks of bambi
2: you're if you're a mom you're going to protect your your offspring and then in the fall is is the mating season so that can drive conflicts as well where deer get a little bit more aggressive and and uh their behaviors are a little bit more erratic so we just we just want to give them some space and 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 allow them you know view from afar don't try to walk up with your with your phone and take a picture you know invest in a telephoto lens or use binoculars, uh, you know, and give wildlife lots of space.
0: Vanessa, thank you for your time. And it was a pleasure having you on How to Dog. Thank you. Vanessa Isnardi is a provincial coordinator for Wild Safe BC, which is a program that aims to reduce human and wildlife encounters. You know what? Hopefully you guys learned as much as I did. Be careful when you're out there in the woods, when you're up at the cottage, and you know what? Even when you're out in the city parks. In the meantime, don't forget to give us a good review. And please call us at 1-833-HOW-TO-DOG with your burning canine questions, just like this one, which we're going to tackle on our next episode. Hi, my name is Taylor. Uh, We recently adopted a two-year-old bull terrier from a rescue. And he's very reactive to all dogs and has a very high prey drive. He's had two bite incidents recently. So we've been keeping him on a muzzle every time we take him out. What sort of things can we do to get our dog to enjoy the muzzle more or, you know, not be so mopey and sad whenever we have to put on him?
2: How
1: to Dog is hosted by Sherry Davis. Produced by Davin Langell and Carrie Hayden. Editing and mixing by Adam Killick. Follow How to Dog on social media at How to Dog Pod. How to Dog is a Shaftesbury podcast and part of the Frequency Podcast Network. You can find more great shows at frequencypodcastnetwork.com. Copyright 2021 Shaftesbury.